Welcome to Code Grays. This we're talking about season two, episode twenty-four. Damage, damage case? case. Damage case. Yeah, damage case. Which is a Motorhead song. I'm sad that I have to sample that right about here. Everyone at least loves one Motorhead song. I don't think I could sing a single Motorhead you could. song. What, well, maybe give me you one. couldn't. Give it's me one. It's <laughs> <laughs> that one. It's like, the Ace of Spades. Everyone knows that what? song. Oh my God. What is it? I it's know. It's like a, you know who Motorhead is. I don't way. think I do. I think like I, I hear Motorhead and I think of like, Motorhead. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Motorhead. That's not Motorhead. It just has motorhead the is word motor. English in band, it. I think. And uh Aren't they like metal or something? Yeah, like metal proto punk, maybe? I don't know. Don't no I'm not a music head. Don't no don't idea. at me. Never about that. don't at Patrice. Do at Patrice about Motorhead. Don't and at only me. Motorhead. Anyway. <laughs> so damage case, that's what we're talking about today, but um yeah, there's only two of us. Yeah, and apparently Megan's the one that keeps us on track because I feel like this is gonna be a really meandering. Twenty minutes have gone by <laughs> since we started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Megan's not here to um to monitor us. Right. It's just the two of just us. Just the two of us. Oh, I'll sample that here too. But we, we miss Megan. We, we were like totally ready to call someone on Skype and realized we didn't need to do that because Megan is sick at home right now. If we could, we would door dash <laughs> you some chicken noodle soup yeah, or something. Or some pho. Uh, yeah, I hope yeah, Megan's yeah. I hope Megan's eating some pho tonight. That'd be great. So this episode <laughs> <laughs> Time to get into it. Time to get into it. Um, we're getting to the end of season two. Some big things are happening. This is a good episode, though, for Megan to miss, um, to call in sick for, because, like, it's not that pivotal, really. It's not that deep. Right. The next three <laughs> episodes are... It's getting... The good stuff. Yeah. It's gonna get real. But this is the ramp up. Yeah. I was actually pretty excited for this episode. <laughs> yes. One of us was excited and one of us wasn't. And one I'll of let us you is guess terrible who. and doesn't have a heart. let <laughs> you guess who. <laughs> So Patrice is gonna is gonna go ahead and recap it for us. She's gonna um, give us the episode summary. I am. Yeah. Are you gonna. Are you I'm gonna, gonna give you just you thirty seconds, okay. not forty five, because oh, it should shit. be easy. Okay. To recap okay. this okay. episode. Okay. In three, two, one. Okay. So to pick up where Teresa left off, this episode is directed by Tony Goldwyn, who played Fitz in Scandal, uh, and written by Mimi Schmier, and it aired May seventh, two thousand six. And, like, for me, this episode has it all not to schmitz, schmitz, fits. <laughs> I'm not drunk, guys. Uh, naked Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Ramirez. Terrible Southern accents, which I don't really like. I, my time is running out. I haven't even said anything yet. Can I just get, like, another fucking 30 seconds? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's only because I had to pull your ass out. <laughs> you didn't do your job, Teresa, and I had to make up for it. I didn't do my job. Yeah, I was you did not in charge of the episode. You didn't summary. fully you introduce the episode like you normally do, and I had to pick up the slack. This is not my fault. Oh, I feel so needed right now. It's really nice. It's like really nice. We're gonna give Patrice an additional thirty seconds because Megan's not here to enforce the rules. Yes. <laughs> Three, two, 
one. Okay, so actual patience. Uh, there is the Reynolds clan, including Noah and Melanie Reynolds, and then her parents, Big Jim and Mama, who have all been in a car crash caused by John Cho, aka Dr. Marshall Stone, an intern at Mercy West. That'll happen in the future, but it hasn't happened now. Uh, that's basically the whole episode, except Denny's also in it, and I couldn't fucking care less. Wow. See? And there you clocked in at 25 seconds. I know. It's because I didn't have to do the work that you were supposed to do earlier. (laughs) Now that I know that is exclusively um, my domain, (laughs) I will be sure to do better. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Um... So let's let's jump right into the opening, I guess, since we always talk about the opening first. Um, the vet. The vet. Well, Meredith's <laughs> monologue yes. before the vet. Yeah. Leading up to everything that happens ever. There's so much foreshadowing. She's yeah. like, we're all damaged. We've been damaged <laughs> since childhood. Basically, Meredith went to therapy. Yes. And she therapy- got some new words. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so then that leads us into Meredith and the vet in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for Meredith to actually go to therapy. Sidebar. I know. It doesn't I happen really for another, that. like, six I know. seasons. I hate that therapist really intensely. And so I'm, like, really excited to talk about that. But that is neither here nor there. Um, It is there in the future, actually. <laughs> But we're talking about damage, and I like that we're talking about damage, and um, Izzy is literally putting on teeth whitening strips in the morning, like, to counteract, you know, damage, damage to, her, to teeth. her teeth. I don't know what she's doing to damage her teeth. I don't know either. It's all the coffee. This I is the no one idea. time in the episode that I like Izzy. I know. She's so relatable. I'm like, oh, teeth whitening strips. I mean, I've never used them, but that feels like a relatable thing that she's doing, probably. I agree. And she's also, <laughs> it's very cute how she is like, I'm a proud mama. Yeah. Yeah. Because Meredith hasn't slept with McVet yet. Yeah. It hasn't even kissed McVet oh, yes. yet. No kissing even. Which, which that's a different kind of, a different level of dedication that I wasn't right. expecting that's from her. That's some severe celibacy. She's really damaged. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this nice moment with Izzy like, oh my God, Izzy and Meredith, so charming. You know, it doesn't quite pass the Bechdel test, but it's still a really enjoyable scene. And then we, and then she just transitions seamlessly into uber bitch Izzy and it's it's her whitening her teeth is the last time you'll like her for maybe the rest of the season <laughs> it's very white not her teeth but yes her. yes yes so Callie comes in Callie was staying the night she's naked she's naked she's in her underwear her red yeah, underwear. yeah she's in her underwear we see which, her butt. so for me by the rules of the house that I live in Callie is not naked she is wearing her underwear if your tits are out and you're in a house full of women, you're not naked. I don't know. These are straight people, though. I guess. Jesus. Get over it. They're breasts. Just because she has breasts and the other two don't? Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I have a lot of feelings. They're all doctors. They should know. She sits down. She takes a pee. She wipes. She flushes. She walks out. She doesn't wash her hands. She doesn't wash her hands. Meredith. That's the storyline. In Izzy. Is that she doesn't wash her hands. They, first of all, cannot handle the fact that someone walked in and peed in a bathroom that they are using to not pee in. <laughs> and they only have one bathroom There's in this one house, bathroom apparently. in this house. Okay. And they can't handle that she doesn't wash her hands in front of them. They don't see her wash her hands. And they just, like, can't deal with that. 
I mean, if I have to be honest, if I was in a bathroom and someone peed in the bathroom while I was there and I actively saw them not wash their hands, I would assume that they didn't wash their hands. I wouldn't because Meredith was literally standing over the sink. So honestly, I would do exactly what we find out Izzy does, or Izzy, fuck her, exactly what Callie does, which is she goes downstairs to the kitchen and washes her hands in the kitchen. I'm just saying. I would have done that too. I don't really know Meredith. So I wouldn't be like, oh, hey, can I get it? I would have felt weird. Like my pee adjacent hands coming in to where Meredith is brushing her teeth. I would have been like, I would have just gone to a different sink. I would have done exactly what Callie did. I don't know. It doesn't track for me as a Callie personality thing. Like, if she was bold enough to open the door, realize they were in there, and then still go pee while they were in there, she would have been bold enough to be like, uh, move. Yes. And then wash her hands. In that, Patrice, I think that's the exact disconnect of this scene, is it's like, it doesn't make sense given who we've established Callie as so far. And I think that's one of the most frustrating parts of this scene is like, we, we, like, we just don't have a sense that Callie is, like, meek or is intimidated by these girls or even embarrassed by these girls. Like, the last we got of Callie, she was actively annoyed with these women. And, like, why can't they just grow the fuck up? Like, I'm a boss bitch, get over it, kind of a thing. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. And then that is the storyline for Izzy. And George. And George. And Callie. And Callie for they the remainder of so the They waste so much time talking it's about wild. washing hands. It's and totally pee. wild. So, I think we can move on from that Moving situation. On. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, then they, then they come in. Izzy and Meredith are still talking about how Callie did wash her hands. They're waiting outside. Right? That happens? Are they yeah, waiting they're waiting for outside the ambulances? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've heard that there, is, that there was a big accident and a bunch of ambulances are going to be coming in. You know, um, Christina says something deeply inappropriate about, like, the dismembered bodies headed their way. You know, whatever. She's so excited. <laughs> She's so excited. She's like, fuck yeah, these people are going to be a mess. <laughs> I'm going to get to fix it. <laughs> um, and then that's exactly what happens. It's just like a parade of people. And blood. And blood. And body parts. And Derek's first terrible face. Southern drawls. Deeply exaggerated Southern drawls. Seriously, fuck these Southern drawls. Patrice, tell us tell us some things about the South. You're from the South. I'm from Texas. Yes. Okay, true. I also lived in Texas. <laughs> and Texas and I, considers itself very much apart from right. the South. Texas is its own thing, but we're still a part of the South. Where did they you live in Texas? Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. That's right. I lived in East Texas. Born and raised. Wow, I don't think I realized you were born and raised, Dallas. Yeah, I didn't move here until I was 18. Huh. So nice. for college. Yeah, yeah. That makes it sense that you would move to Minnesota from Texas so for much college. Sense. Absolutely. So much sense. <laughs> didn't make sense then either. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, all of the people come in. We're introduced to the Reynolds clan. Yeah. And we spend the all of the episode yeah, really the episode with nice. them. There's, there's truly really no other patients, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, aside from like the patient that Christina hints on having worked on earlier, pre-episode, and yeah. then Addison is is working on a woman and child at some point as well, which becomes critical because she can't save she's someone else's life. Yeah, she's elbow in deep in someone's uterus. Yeah, you know, I hate when that happens. I hate when I'm elbow deep in someone's uterus. <laughs> okay, so I feel like I want to talk. Should we leave? Meredith Derrick for last because I feel like that's the episode yeah out. yeah I feel like that's a good space to, so, to close out on surrounding all of this Reynolds stuff 
and talking about damage is we're seeing how damaged all of these relationships are that are happening, including apparently Christina and Burke. Christina is high on life in this episode. She <laughs> scrubbed in on an early surgery. There's so many bloody people come in. Apparently she orgasmed twice. Yep. But yep. there's a big but. <laughs> Preston Burke is very angry. Why is he angry, Teresa? <laughs> So Preston Burke is upset because while Christina finished twice, she fell asleep. Evidently, while Burke was still inside of her, <laughs> which I love, could not love it more. <laughs> and Burke is upset because he hadn't finished. I have, oh my God, oh my God, I have so many feelings about this. This fucking asshole. As if heterosexual sex isn't designed so that a man finishes 99% of the time in heterosexual sex and a woman finishes maybe half that, maybe half that amount of time. A fourth that amount of time? It really depends. There's probably some statistics. We'll link them in the show notes. You know what I'm saying? If we're talking about just straight up P and V sex, and I do mean straight up P and V sex between these two people. Right? I, I'm sorry. That's just not typically how women are getting off on a regular basis is just strictly from a dick entering their vagina in a rhythmic fashion. That's not how it's happening. How many times can I say dicks and vaginas? <laughs> so many. So that's the drinking game for this week's episode. Listen, we're I'm about to teach you about intercourse. This is actually I'm enraged. a sex podcast. I'm enraged. <laughs> and he's just so upset about it. He's so petty and... I just the audacity of a straight man telling his straight female partner, "I'm upset because I didn't get to finish." I ah, I can't even like my body cannot contain how much rage I feel at that. I I'm gonna dump him under- on the spot. <laughs> I guess I could understand if he was more upset about the fact that she just like fell asleep. <laughs> like it was like maybe maybe you shouldn't be working yourself so hard, Christina. Right. But that's not what he's concerned about. Right. He's concerned about the fact that he's a person first. And Christina says, I'm a surgeon first. <laughs> it's it's glorious. It's, it's everything I love about Christina and everything I hate about Burke. I said in my notes, like, you know, go fucking masturbate in a closet. Like, you're a dude. <laughs> this isn't, it is not hard for you to come. It's like, your whole life is just like... Grab your dick and make yourself come. Like, that's, you're a dude. That's like, as far as I can tell from film and television, that's literally all you do in between oppressing women with various pieces of legislation. You are masturbating. So, like, get the fuck over it. Move on with your life. It's fine. It's fine. She came twice. He should be so pleased. He should be very He should pleased. be so pleased. Especially instead, if it was just penetrative. It's, it's just penetrative. Twice. That's a, like, good job. Good job. I feel like that is phenomenal, sir. You are doing the Lord's work for your partner. That's wonderful. But instead, instead he finds something to mope about, as truly only Preston Burt can. Yeah. He's, it's terrible. I mean, they're sowing the seeds that we know that they're sowing, which is that we can't say what they're sowing because apparently this is spoiler free, but they're sowing, they're sowing the seeds and those seeds will be reaped 
in season three. God, not um, soon enough in season three. I'll I tell you that. Know. <laughs> um, and so it it pretty much they it's unresolved. You know, it right. ends with Christina coming home. Burke is being the most petty teenager that I've ever seen. He's cooked himself dinner. There's <laughs> dinner for one. And he is re- re- picks up a book when she gets there of what I can only assume is like a self-help book entitled like Healing the Fragile Male Ego. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Preston Burke in the year 2019 would totally read Jordan Peterson and like go to Jordan Peterson lectures. That's Ugh. absolutely who he would be. Oh, my God. Just sit with that for a minute. Ugh. I think I just. I mean, that's definitely who Isaiah Washington is just in real life. Right. IRL. Right. <laughs> He's a Jordan Peterson stand for sure. Isaiah Washington was not acting in this <laughs> episode. No. And he just well, says, he was when he's when you know he's a person who can get his partner off twice just with oh, penetrating right. sex. Right, right, right. That right. was definitely acting. <laughs> <laughs> you burnt Isaiah Washington. <laughs> Do at me. <laughs> so much slander. So much slander. And Patrice so, is like, I gotta go. I'm like, oh god, I can't handle this. Um. So wait, the read of this scene. Is something that I couldn't quite understand. I believe that he's being petty, but he just sort of says, you must be tired. And she's like, yeah. And he goes, I'm tired too. And I was like, is he maybe trying to say, like, I get it. You were tired. I'm tired. We're people. We're tired. No. But then I was like, no, no, that's not what he's saying. No, he's definitely saying... I'm tired of this relationship dynamic. <laughs> like, <sighs> Yang is definitely saying, I'm tired. It's been a long day. It was a pretty traumatic day at the office, actually. And Burke is saying, I'm tired of your shit. <laughs> Which is what Christina and should be I'm saying. And I'm saying, I'm tired of your shit. Get off my television. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that episode. That's that episode. That's the whole episode. It's just I meant peeing and washing hands and Christina Burke sex having and a that we do not get to see. Right. At least show us the mind blowing two orgasm sex if you're gonna complain about it. <laughs> So that's one of the broken relationships that serves as a br- backdrop for the the broken bodies of this episode. <laughs> the broken bodies of the Reynolds family. Uh, um, do you want to just like cover Denny for like, Yeah, let's chat about Denny. Second. Still dying, still here, still dying, but fed up with the dying at this he's point. So, wants he, to get the dying over he's with. He's so fed up with the dying, he wants to die faster. <laughs> Literally, my notes are just yawn, <laughs> snore. <laughs> REM sleep. <laughs> I'm just so tired of Denny. And I I I think looking so looking back, when I watched this the first time around, I think I like Megan really liked Denny. I was like, oh my God, look at this beautiful relationship between this doctor and this patient. I don't know what the fuck I was smoking because <laughs> upon watching this time, Denny's fucking terrible. He's so terrible and we don't know anything about him. And so I don't know why so many people were so emotionally invested in him and Izzy because we know nothing about him yeah. as a character. Yeah. it's And it's it really comes into sharp relief. The little we know about Denny comes into sharp relief in this episode because this is the episode where he gives his 
for me, like, notorious. I am a virile horse horse of of a man man speech. And (laughs) Burke kind of goes, goes along with that when, you know, Izzy and Burke are having a conversation later where Izzy's like, what, what do we do? Um, and Burke is like, you know, we can watch him and take care of him medically, but, you know, the damage to his spirit, I mean, a man like that, it, we can't a know what he's going through. Man. A, a man fragile like male that. ego. Yeah, and I just, and I'm like, a man like what? what? Like, I asked, like, was he a Navy SEAL? Like, what's the backstory for Denny that, like, we aren't questioning like this virility storyline that we keep coming back to this uber masculine like he literally cannot have a conversation with Izzy that doesn't reference his incredible manhood or him wanting to feel her up he can't he cannot have a conversation with her without relying on one of those two tropes and I'm just like this does not a character make Right. Like, I don't know who this man is, and I don't know why I'm supposed to believe that he's as much of a man as he is. You know, like, with McVette, notably, we watched him birth a foal. Like, <laughs> he's a man. He's a man! <laughs> like, like, we've established that that's a man. I get it. I get his manhood. I understand. It's been, it's been visually represented to me in some way. I, it's really frustrating for me. This episode in particular with Denny is frustrating for me because I want, I want there to be more to this character. I really genuinely do. I don't want to dislike Denny as much as I do, but they're not giving me anything to work with other than utterly cartoonish illustrations of manliness and masculinity and whatever. It sort of makes me wonder if the writing team didn't know exactly what mm. they wanted to do with the character because- Later, you know, we find out a little yes. bit about Denny's backstory, but not until much later. And even then, we don't find out really anything. Yeah. Um. And so I just wonder if they were like, we're going to make this character, but we're not really sure what he's about, except for being a man. <laughs> um. Which is weird. And it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't make for a compelling love story between him and Izzy. I mean, I guess it does because we have already established that Izzy is into like asshole dudes. Sure, yeah. So maybe that's all she needs. She's just like, he's cute enough and he's being a big dick. So just go for it. I'm all in. Yeah. Forget my doctoring career. <laughs> yeah, it's it's extremely it's extremely odd, and it really. Um, I want to have sympathy for this character because I can imagine, in as much as one can imagine, that being bedridden and being this fragile, truly, like, for so long is just, it reaches just an unbearable point. And, and I do think that there's a storyline there, but boy, howdy, is this not the way to go about it? It's not Shit. Good. It's not good. <laughs> And so, I mean, essentially, the reason why we get this storyline of D- Dizzy. I almost Dizzy. Dizzy. Yes, that's their the couple name. name. Dizzy. Ship name. Yeah, ship name, Dizzy. Uh, or Any? Or, any, yeah. Mm. Mm. Another anyway. sign that they don't work. They don't have a good <laughs> ship name. So we get this because um, Denny 
has been pushing himself. I don't know. Apparently, he's like doing the stairmaster <laughs> while he's wearing his L pad. Um, and so they page Izzy for some reason. Which m- my first thought, literally, when that happened, is why did they page Izzy? She's not on Burke's service. Nope. She's not the intern. Nope. So, and we're we're led to believe that nobody else knows that Izzy and Dinny are a thing. But if they're paging her, everybody knows. Somebody somebody has to know because mm-hmm. otherwise, why why was she on the other end of the right, page? Because she's supposed to be on Callie's service, which, which she is brings us not <laughs> to our next broken uh, relationship like situation, which is George, Callie. And Izzy. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So Izzy is supposed to be on Callie's service yep. fixing Noah Reynolds' actual broken person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, broke his patella, which ouch. shattered his patella. Oh, oh, my God. I mean, on the on the scale of things that go wrong for human beings in this episode, like, it's he's at a one. But, oof. Yeah. Oh, God. I can't even imagine how bad that would hurt. Anyway. Yeah, and Izzy is just being actively disrespectful. Oh, it's terrible. And just fucking up her medical career. Yeah, she's she's supposed to be working with this patient. Callie, you know, is like, where where is Izzy to George? And George is like, you know, I'll find her. He finds her. And he's like, where are you? Callie's looking for you. You you know, you need to be with your patient right now. And she's like, oh, I, I was called for Denny. I needed to check on Denny. And it's like... You know, George George says to his credit, I like I can't believe you are skipping out on your service to hang out with Denny. And that's exact she gets really defensive about that. She's she immediately turns it around and says, "Oh, don't talk to me about appropriateness when your girlfriend doesn't even know how to wash her hands." Which is like, wow, two totally incomparable things. <laughs> these these things are unrelated. These things are not alike. <laughs> and um it's it's just it's staggering to me. It is really staggering to me. Yeah. And the fact that it takes George just I don't think he ever actually defends Callie. No. No, he really doesn't. And that's incredibly frustrating as well. Is like Izzy is being a bitch. She's being a really petty mean girl. And mm-hmm. we know she has those tendencies, but she is out of control this episode in the way that she's bullying Callie. And George has absolutely no spine, no spine about it. Like he cannot and does not stand up to Izzy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's, it's really frustrating to watch in part because it, it, it's totally undeserved on Callie's end, but also because I'm just like, you know what? Izzy's a racist bitch and I'm done with it. I just, I, I feel that in my soul. Like I'm, in your soul. I feel it in my soul. Deep down. Yep. All the way down there. <laughs> Izzy Stevens would vote for Trump. Ooh. And I'm just... This is the second time on the yeah. pod I think that you've called Izzy yeah. a racist. Yeah, she's a fucking racist. And her issue with Callie partly has to do with race. And I just... I'm really frustrated with it. Like, the entire the entire trope of, like, Callie Torres is dirty, etc., etc. Like... Mm. I'm sorry, there's way too much to unpack in that storyline when you're talking about a Latinx person being dirty. Like, oh my God. It's a bad choice storyline. It's a really bad choice of a storyline. It is so fucking loaded. And and I just, again, watching this in 2019, 
I'm angry at Izzy for an entirely new set of reasons than I was angry for in 2008, you know, when I watched the rerun of this episode. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I think it's loaded. I think it's really loaded. And it's not something that Grays at that time gets into. No, they didn't do a good job at all. It's at very all. 2000, whatever the fuck 2006, year this yeah, aired. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Ugh. So that so so that's Noah Reynolds. That's at least one of the Reynolds, and that's kind of aside from Derek and Meredith. That that's the end of sort of the relationship backdrops right. for our storylines. So then that brings us to the actual Reynolds. Yes. So Noah Reynolds in is, all their hick glory. Oh God. So Noah Reynolds, the only not hick, yes, is married to Melanie or Melly Melly Reynolds. God. Oh pregnant, my God. <laughs> pregnant woman. Who took the brunt of the uh, crash yeah. that happened earlier. And then in tow are Melly's very southern parents. Mama. Do they even give her a name? I don't think she has a name. And Big Jim. Big Jim and who Mama. owns half of Alabama. Apparently. So says George. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I it's Is not... that something to be proud of? <laughs> I don't know. To own half of Alabama. No offense to our Alabama listeners, but... um so when they roll when they roll into the er everyone is yelling it's like a fucking clown car they're like where's melly where's mama mama daddy daddy (laughs) bailey (laughs) refers to it as a hillbilly picnic and that she does that's exactly correct yeah (laughs) everyone has such disdain for the southern people it's really sad they're making fun of the way that they talk they're just like they have no time for them so mama and big jim which i can't believe i have to call them this um are relatively unscathed mama apparently nothing's wrong with her she fixes her makeup she has no underwear <laughs> for yeah. some reason she tells alex that he can't look at her good girl box I yeah think, or something, oh, like that. Oh, something fucking weird it's hard <laughs> um and jim has like a broken finger and a head lap or something <laughs> So, Melanie, the pregnant one, is the most lucid, I feel like, when they come in. And, yeah, she's fine. Yeah. And everyone feels like everything is going to be okay. Which, if we took the foreshadowing <laughs> of Meredith's monologue, we should know everything is not going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Super not okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, Melanie, Melanie, as it turns out, um, George is the one to deliver this news. Um, but Melanie is in uh, the middle of a CAT scan or a CT scan. Sorry, not a CAT scan, a CT scan to assess her injuries. And they realize that her lungs or something are like way larger than they're supposed to be. All her shit's out of whack. All of her shit is out of whack. (laughs) That's our line of the week. (laughs) All her shit's out of whack. And um, as George explains to Mama and Big Jim... What's happened is that um, she wasn't aware of her injuries because the adrenaline was pumping her blood in such a way so that, like, her her injuries to her organs, like her internal bleeding, was being managed by the rapid way in which her heart was pumping blood we're just gonna go ahead and give george's whole spiel right about here yeah. because i don't actually know what the fuck happened but he explains <laughs> it very well he i does. give him credit for when that your daughter came into the or her body was over pumping her bloodstream with adrenaline 
which kept her conscious and alert and uh, pain-free during the CT scan. She was lying still for an extended period of time, and so her body relaxed. And the adrenaline stopped flowing, which allowed her to succumb to the full extent of her injuries, which they're catastrophic. Her, her shit's out of whack. <laughs> her shit's out of whack. You know, <laughs> that's Patrice what really summed it up. That's said. what, yeah, that's what he should have said. Listen. So they rush her into surgery, and it's like an all-hands-on-deck surgery. So literally every surgeon, every attending is called in. Um, most of the interns are called in as well. Um, and they're just operating on this on this woman trying to save her life, but also trying to save the life of the fetus that she's carrying. Um, and then the backdrop to this madness is a kind of more, um, there's a kind of still, a stillness to the storyline involving John Cho's character, who is the um, doctor, the surgeon, who has caused this accident. And we find out that he like fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Um, he had scrubbed in had on scrubbed in. surgery, yeah. much like Christina did. Yep. And fell asleep. Yep. More c- catastrophic results than <laughs> just having a penis inside you. <laughs> and falling asleep on the penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Slightly more dramatic results. So, you know, that really hits home for the interns as they really think about, like, there's a moment where they talk about, like, the crazy shit that they've done when they've been totally overworked and haven't mm. haven't slept. Um, and this is actually, like, a real problem in hospitals. Like, this is this is a for sure thing. Like, like surgeons also need sleep. Weird, but they are human beings. What? They are human. I know, I know. Um, even though Christina says she's a surgeon first, she is technically a human first. Technically. Um, and so that's that's kind of the two counter rate, counterweights in this episode is the story of John Cho's character and then the story of Melanie um, and the Reynolds family. Yeah, so at some point in Melanie's surgery, they think, you know, they're going to go in and fix things, but they get in there and they realize that the damage is basically too extensive. And so uh, they do something called like a damage damage surgery i think or yeah. damage control damage surgery. control surgery and the, the triangle of death <laughs> oh my god there's a moment where like blood is squirting like the chief is hit Derek's hit like like everybody has blood all over the place alex is like paying attention to you know the baby because that's the task that addison has given him um because he's been a real piece of shit to her of what late um and I, you know, someone says, like, she's she's reached the triangle or, or whatever. And Alex has a real, like, Legolas moment. Like, <laughs> and he's like, what, what triangle? What are you talking about? And they describe all of the things that are going wrong with, like, multiple organ failure for Melanie at one time. And he goes, why is he talking about triangle? What triangle? Blood stops clotting, her muscles produce acid, and her organs get cold. I'm talking about the triangle death. <laughs> it's the worst. It's totally the uh, a diversion. <laughs> then we gather our full strength and march on the Black Gate. <laughs> we cannot achieve victory through strength of arms, not for ourselves. But we can give Frodo his chance if we keep Sauron's eye fixed upon us. Keep him blind to all else that moves. A diversion <laughs> of this episode 
Oh, man. Because I have not watched Lord of the Rings. <gasps> I know. Blasphemy. I also oh, have never seen Star me. Wars. That's fine. I, like, <laughs> I love Star Wars with my whole heart and soul. But Lord of the Rings, it's so good. It's too much. It's too long. Oh, no. It's just the right length. Mm-mm. Oh, it's perfect. No. Oh, watch with me this winter. Mm, uh, I'll watch with, with you if you watch Derek Die. <laughs> so after you know alex says a diversion they rat really fast rapidly try to um just control the damage yep. as the name would imply yep. and alex is monitoring the baby um after addison says hey you schmuck monitor the baby <laughs> um and he runs over to addison's Right? Her, her other surgery. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's elbow deep in a uterus. Yep. Yep. And she's like, what do you want me to do, Kriv? Like, I go deal with it. I'll come as soon as I can. And he's clearly, like, really upset about it, which is... Wait, wait, wait. We, did we skip something? Yeah, we skipped the oh, part right. where... They wrap her in plastic. Yeah, they, this is really sad, actually. So they take Melanie... The first time they take her in to the operating room, they realize that things are really bad. And so they just wrap her in plastic. Her organs are exposed, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And then she goes back to her room. To ICU. She's in ICU. She's unconscious, obviously. Because they have to give her a chance to to gain strength a little more before they operate exactly. more. Exactly. Exactly. And so Alex is assigned to monitor the fetus that Melanie is carrying because he's pissed off Addison for the millionth time. And... So at a certain point, they realize that, like, they have to get the baby out. So the baby can live inside of a dead mother. The fetus can live inside of a dead mother for five minutes, Addison tells Karev. She actually gives them... that's a true medical fact. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't double check it. We are taking the she shepherd's word on this. But she gives a really good pep talk to Alex, who's like, fuck this service. And she, like goes in on him and explains exactly why this job is critical. And I was like hyped up for it afterwards. Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. like, fuck yeah, I want to monitor some fetal heartbeats. Let's do it. Let's fucking rock. Yeah. So at that point, after a conversation with the parents, they make the determination to open Melanie back up. Yes. Yeah. See what they can do for Melanie, but try and save the baby. Yes. And so that is shit when goes sideways. That's when shit goes sideways. That's when she enters the triangle of death, which I refuse <laughs> to believe is a real term. I think she's been in the triangle this whole time. I don't think so. It's I think she enters off the, the triangle of Bermuda death. Triangle. <laughs> it's close to Bermuda. Um, it's a lot more harrowing. We don't talk about it as much. It's because no one's ever no one back. Yeah, alive. yeah. Um, so at that point, then Karev actually has kind of a star moment and he he saves the baby. So Addison can't make it out of her surgery. She's in the middle of an operation on another patient. Um, and she she cedes control sort of to Karev, who opens. Yeah, he performs a C-section. He performs a C-section, opens her up, performs a C-section, um, removes the fetus like. Gets keeps, it to breathe. Yeah, gets the baby to breathe and then keeps the baby alive. Um, and Melanie, Melanie dies. Yep. She succumbs to her catastrophic injuries. It's very sad. I feel very sad. Yeah. This episode got me in terms of sadness. Not because of Melanie's death, 
Although the tiny monologue that Noah gives mm. uh, when he's like talking to George about how he needs to take his mind off of it because, mm-hmm. you know, we could probably link it here, but he's essentially like, I need to think about something else that isn't me burying my young wife and our unborn child. Yeah. yeah. He's a good actor. He's a really good actor. And I said in my notes that Noah's the only one that I like out of the Reynolds family. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's the only patient that I like because I think John Cho is terrible in this role. Yeah, he doesn't um, do a great he's job. He's not convincing in the slightest bit. He does make me cry, though. Huh. We'll talk about that <laughs> in our teardrop ranking, our a controversial teardrop ranking this week. Yeah, so I like Noah. I think he gives a great performance. I think it's a really affecting monologue, and he's also not saddled with an over-the-top Southern accent, and I think yes. that really helps his cause. <laughs> Although, I have to say, I feel like that the other people are not bad actors, that it mm. has to be the direction of it and what they were given for the script. Yeah. Because, like... The person who plays Mama is in the Titanic. Is in yeah, the great. Titanic. She's in the Titanic. I am an I'm an 85 year old woman. <laughs> you know the internet. Um, she's in Titanic. She plays Rose's mother, and she's very subdued in that role, and yeah. is actually quite a good actress. Um, and so I have to believe that it was like the writing or the direction that led them to take it in this in this way. Although I will say, I think that. I've heard British actors say that the easiest American accent to um, do is a Southern accent, which I find weird because I feel that most people overdo Southern accents. Yeah. It's way more subtle than that. I think that British people think that Southern accents are the easiest accents to do well because they are some of the most obvious accents in American English. But I think that would be like an American person saying cockney british Mm. is the easiest british accent to do it's like no it's just one of the most noticeable british accents it's you're not doing it well you just (laughs) think you are i'm not governor (laughs) you have to do the rest of the podcast (laughs) so on to jan cho god this is fucking terrible i can't do it So John Cho's character, so this this episode kind of resolves in a in a it's a big, you know, emotional moment. John Cho realizes what he's done. He's you know, of course he's absolutely devastated when he realizes that um a mother is is gonna die and possibly her unborn child as well. Um and he really wants to apologize to the Reynolds. Yeah. Well, he says, he says, you mean to tell me that I saved a life this morning and that caused me to, you know, take a life now or whatever, ruin this family, which he does. Um, (laughs) And even though I think that this is not John Cho's best acting, I do love John Cho. And the moment, even though it was (laughs) overdramatic, really got me. I watched this episode twice and I cried (laughs) both times during this exact same scene. (laughs) Where, um, so Meredith advocates for John Cho slash, what the fuck is his name? Uh, Marshall Stone. <laughs> like, we, like, categorically, like, cannot refer to him by his character's name. It's John Cho. Right. <laughs> Marshall Stone, uh, Dr. Marshall, um, advocates sort of for him and goes to George and says, you know, he really wants to apologize. I know that maybe they're not in a space to, but he's one of us. You know, can we get, get them to see him and so big gem goes over 
and it's it i mean it's a fuck it's a terrible scene it's so <laughs> dramatic like he walks slowly in and he's his face is so angry and it looks ma- like they do this weird cutting back and forth between big jim's face and john cho's face slash big jim's hand nearing john cho's face and to make us believe that maybe he's gonna he's choke gonna him strangle out him. yeah <laughs> Also, they're also like contrasting those shots with shots of Meredith, who was on the service taking care of John Cho's character. And Meredith is crying. And Meredith is crying. And then George, who is, of course, um, the one who has kind of been the mediator with the parents. And so the camera's cutting to their faces as well, because we're seeing this tremendous act of forgiveness. (laughs) And Meredith and George still haven't resolved they're Their petty conflict. bullshit. They're petty fucking bullshit. <laughs> Which, if you will remember, I know, I know that it feels like truly years ago at this point, Meredith was once sad after sex with George. That's the entire conflict. That's sad, sad while his penis st- was inside her. At least she didn't fall asleep. Apparently that's worse. Right. Like Christina says, he'll forgive you if Bert can forgive me. But Meredith points out, Bert Bert hasn't hasn't forgiven forgiven you. you. (laughs) Um, So they're doing this weird cutting stuff and Big Jim just sort of places his hand. It's a very awkward hand placement on John Cho's shoulder slash against his cheek. John Cho starts crying profusely. And it's a sad moment. It was a sad moment for me, Teresa. I know that maybe you thought it was a hilarious moment, <laughs> but I don't know. I just like, <laughs> Grace gets me with these overdramatic moments. I'm not a person who cries. Yes. I don't cry. Yeah, we should. I can that. only cry at like ridiculous melodrama and concerts. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually really share that because I, I'm actually the exact same. The only things that I cry at are like really dramatic like film moments. I would say less so with television, but film can really get me and music. <laughs> like I'm a person who will like <laughs> sob because I'm moved by a particular like song or, you know, arrangement. Yeah. But like in my day-to-day life, I I don't practice. Mm-mm. Uh, crying. Keep that shit inside. Not something that I do. Um, We'll be talking to our therapist about it later. (laughs) I like that you think I'm not already talking to Lola about this. (laughs) I mean later because we're not with her now. Right, that's true. And we're referring to our therapist in (laughs) the singular. Because we see the same therapist. The same therapist. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. That's real. Listen, it's really hard to find a woman of color therapist like it's hard and so when you find one and like one of your friends is also like you know you gotta share you gotta share resources spread the love (laughs) anyway (laughs) if you're in the twin cities area and you want a recommendation dm us (laughs) yeah we've got a great therapist (laughs) then we can all get together and talk about our therapist (laughs) shit All right, so then that brings us to kind of the the end of our primary storylines. Um, one being George and Meredith do bury the hatchet in the sort of like changing room, the intern sort of changing room. George is like, I'll see you at home. 
And Meredith clearly is not expecting this. And is like, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, she's so sad. I love her so much. (laughs) I love Meredith so much in this episode. I just want to like, you know, I just want to like hold it. She really reminds me of one of my dearest, dearest friends who I also just want to just. Hold like a baby. Hold tight sometimes. Yeah. I think Meredith is so taken aback by it because she just got done with this fucking terrible yep. thing with Derek. And so let's talk about how terrible Derek is She's in this really entire episode. She's really not used to people being nice to her. <laughs> because throughout this entire episode, I only wanted to punch Patrick Dempsey in his goddamn face. It's... It's really in, again, credit to Patrick Dempsey for really selling that he's such a fucking dick. Um, It's so hard. I definitely had like a visceral response to almost every single one of his scenes this episode. He is so aggressively hurt (laughs) that Meredith slept with George that Meredith slept with the vet well she hasn't slept with him uh, yeah she he's hasn't doing that thing but that he's making do. the assumption yes. right like oh the, uh, who's next you know yeah um it, she's literally she has slept with one man I like I don't I don't get it like right it doesn't make any sense it, and, and if she had slept with 14 men it wouldn't matter but she slept with one dude like right. <laughs> Right. And, and she had a bad time. And now there's a whole fight about it. It's not even like she slept with him and was like, woo, living my best single right. life. Like, now I'm in she love. Was actively missing Derek while she was sleeping with this man. Fuck. <sighs> I just, Derek is doing that thing that I hate when people do in television shows, which is they see one piece of something and then they make a wild assumption about what's going on instead of communicating like real adults do yeah um and therefore he's trash but you know what i mean this is a man who was married flew across the country started a totally different job didn't initiate any kind of divorce proceedings but got himself into a serious committed relationship and he's mad but he's pissed off which Meredith rightly dresses him down for. And it is a glorious monologue. And Ugh. Ellen Pompeo is wonderful in it because she strikes, to me, a fantastic balance between rage. Like, I cannot believe you are calling me a slut right now. And just, like, bone deep sadness. So sad. Her eyes are welling. Oh, God, it's good. Like, she, they, Ellen Pompeo and Patrick Dempsey are matched (laughs) as far as like their acting skills. They're phenomenal. And the way that they can pull their faces and just make you feel exactly what they're saying and breathe life into their words. They're, they're remarkable. Like they're remarkable to watch. Like that scene on the stairwell is like, it is so fraught and it's so tense. And in an episode that I thought was entirely over the top and that I was, pretty emotionally disengaged from like I really felt something in their scenes particularly that climactic scene and you know when Derek says this thing that we're doing it's over and she says finally it's I mean she just her whole body said I mean it's it is just oh it is such a good scene it's such a good scene those two are so impressive and fuck I love me some classic grays You don't get to call me a whore. When I met you, I thought I had found the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. 
I was done. So all the boys and all the bars and all the obvious daddy issues, who cared? Because I was done. You left me. You chose Addison. I'm all glued back together now. I make no apologies for how I chose to repair what you broke. You don't get to call me a whore. It's good. It's good. This, so I feel like this is a turning point for me. I know that Meredith, 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 <laughs> that's their ship name. <laughs> that's their ship name. Holy shit. Meredith is Meredith. <laughs> that's their ship name. Dareth? Nope. It's Meredith. <laughs> Period. So I know that Meredith are endgame, but this is, and again, this is just like repeated watching and me now as a 30 year old, I just cannot excuse his emotional manipulation, his just, he, he is a terrible person. Like Derek definitely is charming. He has some like winning personality traits he's got great hair but when it comes to things like this the way that he can turn on a dime Mm. on meredith is just i i can't i can't excuse it and it almost makes me feel mad that they end up together Mm. because he's just Mm. it's really i mean as a viewer it's so disorienting so, like, imagine that you're Meredith, how disorienting that would be. I mean, these wild swings are just, I mean, they're totally unmanageable. And it's like, where's Raj? Yeah, <laughs> where the fuck is Raj? But, it, it, you know, it's just kind of like, how how is it that Meredith is is perceived as, like, the unwell person? And And I understand, yes, like, this is a person who is coping with a tremendous amount of sadness and trauma and all kinds of stuff. But, like... Derek's got like some fucked up personality issues and he's got some really manipulative behaviors and some real red flags and and it sucks to watch him shove all of that onto Meredith as being the unstable like you know sexually you know promiscuous whatever person and it's like no no that's you don't get to say all of that. I, there was only one point in this episode where I thought that maybe Derek was rethinking his actions. It was right after um, John Cho's character, Derek spots him in the gallery and then takes him to CT. And then <clears throat> Meredith, it's after Meredith loses him and he rails on Meredith and is like, you need to take responsibility for your fucking actions. <laughs> and she, and I'm like, duh, you too, Derek. Uh... <laughs> And so we're like, we're, we're definitely not talking about the patient anymore, are right. we? <laughs> nope, not at all. And so Meredith walks away and you, there's this pause on Derek's face where he's like, Ooh, maybe I took it a little too far. Like, yeah. but nope, he doesn't reel it back from there he at all. He does not. <laughs> but you know what? This conversation freed Meredith a little bit because yep. then she goes to Finn and opens up to him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. It's great. It's like she really means it when she says finally. Yeah. It's like it's like watching someone get Until exercised. <laughs> it's like a fucking exorcism on that stairwell. <laughs> this thing with us is finished. It's over. Finally. Yeah, it's done. It is done. Should we talk about our M&Ms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we yeah, think let's we're ready? Yeah. All right.
we've we've got some dissent right away with the teardrop jank teardrop ranking. Yeah. So well, we it's not really. I dissent guess we end up you, in the same place. You yes. gave it three to four teardrops as well, and I, said, I also gave it three okay, to four teardrops. Okay, but I said importantly, I said for me zero teardrops. I wasn't sad at any point in this episode. But objectively, given what happens, three to four teardrops. Fine. (laughs) Fine. I personally was not sad, but I can see that a human being (laughs) should have been sad. Not someone who is half robot. Exactly. Much like Teresa is. Exactly. (laughs) I haven't run a system update. (laughs) In a while. I haven't had time. <laughs> uh, and I also gave it three to four tears because Grace actually got me. There's there's just like a few episodes of there's more than a few where Grace just gets me with the melodrama and it's that build up. And it's also because and when we talk about song of the week, we'll get there because of what happens during the build up and the melodrama. Yeah. That just like, you know. I, I just, just I, I cried a little. Patrice, you have a heart. Just oh my God. a little one. It's right in there. I have a heart and also I have expressed my emotions outwardly. Wow. Whoa. This is huge personal growth. Ground Be sure to share this with Lola <laughs> when you see her next. <laughs> I won't. Uh, the on-call room. You want to stand there and talk metaphors? You want to literally take off your pants. <laughs> this is interesting. Again, we dissented. Uh, I said clearly not Burke and Yang because Yang fell asleep. And I said I assumed that it was hot sex because she orgasmed twice and something's got to be going right (laughs) if there's multiple orgasms on the table. Sure. But, you know, just like orgasming takes a lot out of you. (laughs) And so I could see maybe how if you'd been up forever and then you also orgasmed twice that you'd fall asleep. Yeah. You know. So, you know, we don't have any we don't have any hard proof because they refuse to give us sex scenes. Yeah, when anymore. is the sex gonna happen Jesus again? Jesus Christ. Aren't we in sweeps? Shouldn't everyone be having sex constantly? No, because we're gearing up for the sad stuff. Ugh, I guess. Whatever. Alright. Song of the week, we agreed here. <laughs> because obviously two queer women would choose the Brandy Carlisle song Tragedy. Okay. <laughs> wonderful effect because it's while melanie is dying on the operating they do a good fucking montage with this song and just brindy carlisle's voice Mm. is that of a goddamn angel Mm. her range is amazing and just really anything that she sings could bring me to tears it's really magical yeah it's really magical yeah it's a great song i actually felt that there was a worst song of the week this week and it is On the Radio by Regina Spector. Love Regina Spector. Great song. Hate the use Terrible of it. Terrible timing. So Melanie dies. Noah is devastated. Mama and Big Jim, devastated. John Cho, devastated. Like, 
people and are then, wrecked all around us. And then like a happy little ditty on the radio. Like, <laughs> just like happy And all because like Meredith things. kissed the vet finally and like George is talking to Meredith again. So we get we get like happy upbeat music and well, like Well, I mean it's kind of weird because Izzy the... and Denny like are having a sweet moment and I'm just like wait, what? It was so tonally <laughs> wild right it was the wrong choice only because the melody of the music is upbeat the lyrics aren't really that upbeat. no no but the melody is like a very happy happy sad songs yeah because i I think the lyrics are like you you laugh until you cry you cry until you laugh and everyone must bleed yeah until your dying day but that is deeply overshadowed by, like, the hand-clapping beat. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's not a good choice. It's not a good choice. <laughs> All right, so our death tally just won this week. Yeah, just won. And we hope that uh, Melanie's baby lives on. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I guess our assumption is that that, like, that baby came out clearly undercooked, but hopefully yeah. it makes it. I, ho- I don't think they, like, cut back to this story. No, I don't think so. So we, we hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> um, 007. Who did you have for 007? <laughs> ah, I see. It. I see. <laughs> My 007 just says Derek and his stupid face. <laughs> That's fair. I said Izzy, who abandons her attending. So that's that's bad. She abandons her attending and her patient um, in order to hang out with her virile horse of a boyfriend. To buy him tabloids. Yep. And good chocolate from the gift shop. Yeah. That's not fucking good chocolate, no. is he? Mm-mm. <sighs> Karev of the week? Derek and his stupid face. <laughs> it's like there's a theme here or something. Um, same with me. I said Izzy, who's a bitch and a little bit racist. <laughs> On the other hand, we've got Chief Resident. Who is your Chief Resident? You were really generous this week. I was, because I feel like everyone tried their hardest, except for <laughs> Derek, Izzy, and George, because I thought that they were terrible doctors. And so I guess technically I gave it to Alex, because I feel like he did a great job in actually attending to the baby, but like it really had to be pulled out of him. Like at every fucking turn, he didn't want to do his job. Yeah. And I don't want to pat him on the back for like doing his job and doing it surly you know yeah. like no. i i gave it to karev as well because i mean he did save the baby with an emergency c-section and that's like kind of a big deal actually like a pretty big deal it should have been made a bigger deal i felt by like the attendings and stuff in there it was easily to me as impressive as heart in the elevator mm-hmm. like heart in the elevator like george also had burke literally giving him step-by-step instructions in the same way that Karev had uh, Bailey giving him step-by-step directions for the C-section. Yeah. So I was like, I feel like we should be making a big deal, bigger deal out of this. But Addison regardless. does tell him good job. And then he's a shit about it. And then it. he fucking ruins it. God, he's the worst. But <laughs> chief resident. Um, line of the week, I gave it to Meredith's monologue because it's, it's so good. She's so convincing. And yeah. I just loved every single part of it. I agree. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree i gave it to that i also gave an honorary mention to addison because i feel like she had a few good lines in this episode including her little pep talk to karev about how long a baby can last inside a dead mother 
But then I don't know why I'm just like super enamored with, I think it's because it's sort of like in this episode, the bitch is back. Like yes. Addison is badass in this and everyone's recognizing it. Like Bailey even says something like you burn the she shepherd and she does. So I don't Yeah, remember. She shepherd burns you or yeah, whatever. Something like yeah, that. yeah it's good. The line where, yeah, Alex comes in to get her and is like, come save this other person. And she's just like, I'm elbows deep in a basin's uterus, Grev. What do you want me to do? Leave this woman and her child to die? And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> you're like, hmm. A point has been made. Valid. Very a valid. Has been made. <laughs> and also, the bitch is back. She just has no... She almost has no softness. They really yeah. oscillate between making Addison very soft and making her just like... Yeah. A yeah. bitch in heels. They really, they really gotta figure it out. It's, it's very much... Although I think the second season is a great season for Grey's Anatomy and probably when a lot of people really got drawn into the show... It is for sure the second season of a show because the characters that they are introducing in the second season and really, really diving into, they clearly don't totally know what they're doing with them yet. Addison and Callie being the most prominent examples, but Denny to some degree as well. As they're we, still figuring as we it said out. Before. Like, they're still, you know, they're in the second season. It's the first season for so many of these character arcs. And like, you can tell <laughs> and i don't mean that in like a mean way just like yeah that's still figuring yeah working the kinks out who do we want these people to be exactly they're growing yeah yeah the well in the end to be fair here. like the the actors as well are, are probably also figuring that out you know like the hot and cold with addison between like the soft and the really hard-edged could have a lot to do with kate walsh like learning her character still yeah you know yeah so uh that's it. I think we did it. Did you want to talk about the medical fact of the week? I don't really have one. I just like read Wikipedia <laughs> for a little bit. And that doesn't feel like a valid. But I looked uh, it up on the internet. I got the directions off the internet. Research source. Despite what a lot of college age people think right now, <laughs> Wikipedia is not the source that you should cite. It I, is my most used app on my phone, though. I will. I love looking things up. I just did like a tiny dive into damage control surgery and it basically just said what the episode said is that when a person has catastrophic injuries that the um, focus is not on like doing everything perfectly, but just trying to keep the person alive um, and to stop that triangle of death. Yeah. If I if I look it up, hold on, I've got the Wikipedia page still, still, uh, <laughs> still here. They call the triangle of death the lethal triad. Um, that sounds so, way more legit. I know. A lethal triad sounds like something doctors would fucking say. Yes, not triangle. It's the triangle of death. <laughs> and so they're focused on. Um, did they think that Gray's viewers didn't wouldn't know what a triad was or a lethal? I get it. <laughs> Actually, that seems fair. <laughs> so, like, they're trying to prevent uh, hemorrhage. Metabolic acidosis, hypothermia, and coagulopathy. And so they're focused on doing that instead of correcting the anatomy that has gone wrong in the patient. And so, I mean, that's uh, that's basically it. They basically said that this is usually used in a trauma situation. And yeah, I don't know. Go fucking check out Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> that source specifically. <laughs> 
Or you could read a medical journal, but I'm guessing that that's probably not your jam. If you do, you know, summarize it and send it to us. <laughs> We're not doing research We don't have time for that shit. <laughs> and so this has been the Teresa and Patrice hour. Yeah, yeah. It's been the Teresa and Patrice actually hour and 17 minutes. So Whoops. many digressions. Whoops. Megan, come back come to back, us. Come back, Megan. You can't ever leave us again. So um, this has been our episode. We're yeah. going to uh, be back next week with season two, episode 25. We're getting to the end. That's very, very exciting. Three more episodes in this season. Ah! Oh, my God. Um, but in the meantime, you can find us in a variety of places. You can find Code Grays on iTunes. In the Triangle of Death. <laughs> this is the Triangle of Death. iTunes, Podbean, <laughs> Acast, Stitcher. That's four. Oh, damn it. This is the... Oh, damn it. Square of death. <laughs> I skipped geometry. <laughs> True story. Um, but you can find us basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe um, and leave us a review. Only if it's nice. If you don't have anything nice to say, we don't want to fucking hear it. Um, you can also find us on uh, social meds. Social meds. Um, you can find us <laughs> on Twitter at code underscore grays underscore. Um, we maybe have a tumblr page you can find us on facebook we definitely have a page there we and don't update it <laughs> uh we're totally gonna start though <laughs> i didn't do a lot of like sharing the last episode because i felt ashamed of the audio situation um but i'm gonna start really shamelessly plugging code grays across social means um and you can also email us and, and we're serious about that um gmail codegrays at gmail.com is where you can find us. So shoot us an email. If you have insight into medical operations or... Um, <laughs> if you're a doctor. if you're Yeah, if you're a nurse, a doctor, someone medically affiliated. If you're from the state of Alabama and you would like to tell us why it would be worthwhile to own half of Alabama. Or we're here for all of it. Send us a clip of your actual accent. Oh my God, yes. Send us your best southern drawl and we will feature it on our next episode because really we can do better than what we got in this one shout out texas with that yeah that's it that's been our show thanks thanks for for listening. listening i'm a man i'm a strong feral horse of a man